the show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Patients, docs, nurses, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Digital health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status, no. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all, come on, let's go. New choices, new platforms, new care models. In the healthcare of tomorrow, consumers win. But who will design it? What will it look like? And how long will it take? We're here to answer those questions with some provocative thinking about how to create the healthcare that people actually want. Ready to roll up your sleeves, look at the world a little differently, and explore the frontiers of consumer health together? Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Hey, welcome back. I'm Jared Johnson, ready to share some more provocative thinking about building the healthcare of tomorrow. If you're just now joining us, we hope you'll follow us and check out our previous episodes, all 200 of them. We're in season seven now where we're writing the consumer health playbook and answering the questions, who will design it, what will it look like, and how long will it take? So here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the week about Amazon Care's nationwide rollout. What does their expansion mean for health systems, other new entrants, and ultimately consumers? I'll talk about that. Then Chris Bevelo from Revive is in the house to share some provocative thinking like we've never done before. And the reason I say that is that you'll hear us speaking as if we're recording from the year 2030. Now, before you wonder if we've lost our minds, keep in mind that Chris's brand new book is titled Joe Public 2030. The book offers what he refers to as five potent predictions reshaping how consumers engage healthcare. So again, you'll hear us speak as if we're in the year 2030 and we're looking back at how many of his predictions in the book came to pass. We're always up for trying something new here on the Healthcare Wrap. So let's do this. It's time to dive right in. Are you ready? Let's go. Flavor of the week. Who should care about Amazon Care? Let's dig into the latest announcement and what it means for health systems, consumer brands, and other disruptive players. So Amazon announced on February 8th that they're rolling out Amazon Care nationwide. The program includes virtual visits, free telehealth consultations, and for a fee, in-home visits from nurses for testing and vaccinations. Now, we've talked about their model in previous episodes. What they announced also is the expansion of their in-person services to 20 U.S. cities by the end of this year, including New York City, San Francisco, Miami, and Chicago. As no real surprise, Amazon said they're capitalizing on the surge in demand for in-home care, both virtually and in person generated by the pandemic. They're hoping that Amazon Care's blend of virtual care and what they refer to as a new approach to in-person care will be able to attract employers away from other providers. Now, that doesn't mean that this is a slam dunk by any means. I mean, they're not exactly the only players touting in-home care offerings. Major health systems hope to hold their market position with similar options for primary care, and insurers are jumping on the telehealth bandwagon now to keep costs down. I mean, at least in theory, offering more treatment options at home reduces how many people have to see a doctor or stay at a hospital overnight. And that helps the health plan's bottom line. Here's where it really gets dicey, though. John Marzano points out that when you take into account the unforeseen levels of hospital staffing shortages, you have a recipe for disruption. That's to be expected when 400,000 healthcare workers have left their jobs since the start of the pandemic. John said, and I quote, Traditional provider models appear to be on hold waiting for a miracle, yet the miracles only occur in saving lives each day, not from innovation. The technology's there, new tools have emerged, it's a digital age. As the pressure mounts, the consumer simply demands a better experience. 
It's time to double down and long past time for provider leadership to surface with a more connected approach to care delivery, unquote. There are lessons for all sides. For health systems, the short-term pain of trying to innovate today's care models and business structures in order to reach tomorrow's consumers is not only worth it, it's likely the only real path forward, especially if they're unable to retain staff on hand to provide that exceptional patient experience. For health plans, their biggest opportunity is to align themselves with these new care models that, again, at least in theory, make them the consumer's new best friend in helping them avoid having to see a doctor. For consumer brands, digital health startups, and other disruptive care models, they can't get lost in the luster of their own plans to disrupt the industry and change the world. Make no mistake, there are only a handful of players with the market cap, brand equity, and vision to do what Amazon Care is setting out to do. For all of us, the quicker that we figure out how to align with what the consumer ultimately wants, needs, and is willing to pay for, the quicker we'll get to a better place in healthcare. It's time to dig in past the headlines and understand what investments like this say about the opportunities to ultimately help consumers live healthier lives. That's another way that we'll build the healthcare of tomorrow. And that's the flavor of the Week. All right, let's get into the flow, people. Give it up for Chris Bevelo. Chris is in the house again to share some provocative thinking. He's going to be talking about consumer health. And can you believe it? We're recording this episode in February 2030. It's crazy. We've been doing this podcast for so long. Chris has just been a regular over all these years. I want to welcome him back to the Healthcare Wrap. Chris, how are you doing? Great, Jared. It's great to be back once again. Yeah, man, 2030. This has been such a fun year so far. I mean, it's it's been a lot of fun. It is nuts. It's it's hard to believe that the Vikings finally won the Super Bowl, but it's it's great. I didn't think it would happen, but it finally did. Right, right, exactly. It was crazy. I mean, that Super Bowl, can you believe it? I mean, it was nuts. That's right. So, you know what's funny, Chris, is I look back at, at a year like, let's just pick a random year, like uh, 2022. And I think that was kind of like a landmark year because that was that year that you put that book out there. It was the last of the Joe Public series. You probably remember that one. I don't know. It was so long ago. It, I try to put it on my mind, but I do remember it. Yes. <laughs> right. You know, it's ironic. And I only bring it up because, you know, we're talking about this year, 2030. And so uh, when, when that book came out, it was five potent predictions reshaping how consumers engage healthcare. And I remember this was kind of a novel concept for you way back in the day because you were coming up with predictions for almost a decade into the future, essentially. And now we're staring back at that. And maybe we could run through some of those predictions and kind of see how spot on you were. I don't know if, it, if you're good with that. Yeah, no, we've actually, you know, for a long time, while I was still doing all this, we track them, Jared. So, you know, we know that some of them turned out to be dead on and some of them were wildly off. You know, I think it's crazy to, to, to think that Amazon and Apple merged and now is the dominant, you know, healthcare provider in the world. That's the kind of thing that we thought might happen in a smaller scale. But to see to see that is, is certainly not something that we we thought would happen this quickly. No, exactly. I mean, just like Tesla, you know, dominating, they're up to like 35% market share, just the overall vehicle market. I mean, that one we knew they were gaining, but like that one kind of almost still took us by surprise. Yeah, that's right. And there's a lot of trends that we talked about in the book and the predictions, like you mentioned, five of them. But, you know, we didn't realize that people would end up with $50,000 deductibles, as an example, which really changed things. 
We talked about some of the mergers already, the fact that that we would see something like Providence and HCA come together in one system. There just was a lot of things we we did talk about that came to fruition pretty close to that. So I don't know. I would say like we were, we were, I don't know, if we were throwing darts, we're somewhere in that inner circle, not the bullseye, but no, it was remarkably close. That was that was a cool thing. And it's great that you tracked them after all these years. And maybe we can we can run through them. Yeah. So like if you took like the first example, the prediction that we called Copernican consumer, which is about consumers really becoming the center of the health universe, which, you know, way back then, uh, we talked a lot about that, but that was really not the case. Even after the first time we had the COVID pandemic, right? The round one of it, we've of course had two more since then. But we really weren't the center of the healthcare universe. And that has really come to fruition in so many ways. And I think about my digital twin, most of what happens with me now when it comes to diagnostics and treatments starts with my digital twin, which I can manage right from my smart glasses that I'm wearing right now. It's remarkable, isn't it? Just how much you pegged all of this way back then in the day. Yeah. I mean, we talked to a lot of experts, a lot of folks in the field, really smart people, The book, if I remember right, had about 250 resources that we cited. So we were really pulling together from a lot of smart places and a lot of smart people. But still, you know, we had some some predictions that at the time I think seemed fairly out there. As an example, you know, at the time we predicted that we would start seeing politically affiliated providers. Now that just seems like, well, of course, why would you not have that? How could you not have a doctor or a clinic that is 100% oriented to how you vote. But back then, that was still in its infancy. And so a lot of people, you know, thought that was kind of a a weird prospect, but here we are. Right. And, you know, to think back then that we were still talking about that kind of stuff on those those web 2.0 social media channels. Now we're all, I mean, we've been decentralized for so long now, it's hard to even remember that. Yeah, I don't even remember what like web 3.3 was and web 4.0. Three and you know now that we're on Web six, it it all that kind of starts blurring together. It's so true. Well, like I said, I'll just refer to the hologram I've got sitting right here next to me. You know, I just kind of refer to it from time to time. It's a lot easier than trying to remember stuff in my my actual physical memory, which I barely even think about. Yes, yes. Which we didn't predict that part, but we also didn't know there there would already be an urgent care at our moon base. But you can't see everything. You really can't. But but you guys sure got close. <laughs> you know, what if we look at uh, so. I think you're spot on in terms of that first prediction was about the Copernican consumer. Do we want to dive into that one a little bit more? Yeah, I mean, it's all the things that we see now, right? So very, very hard to find a primary care physician anymore. Those kind of went the way of the dinosaur about four or five years ago because so much of, of what we manage now is just virtual. It's through the metaverse. It's using holograms. It's using digital twins like you talked about. It's just... You don't need to go somewhere to talk to an individual. You have, you know, your AI pal and all the software that is helping you manage your health. And if and when you need human hands, say you need surgery of some kind and it's not robotic, which most surgery today is, you still go somewhere oftentimes for that. But it's dramatically different than it, where it was even in 2022. Well, I liked the premise of the book because it all is centered on the consumer's view of health. And, you know, even back then, 2022, like we were looking at healthcare. It was hard to not look at it from the provider's standpoint, first and foremost, and then kind of venture out to talk about it from the consumer's perspective and say, 
here's some incremental ways that we can slightly adjust the the way we're doing things. And we'll call that consumerism. And to think that's how the journey and the conversations went, what was kind of crazy. The one kind of cool thing that we've been able to see since then is how a lot of providers were fearful of implementing AI and a lot of machine learning and predictive algorithms and just digital helps overall, because they thought it was going to really kind of take their jobs. So that's actually been a relief to me that we've actually seen that we very much still have human beings involved in our healthcare. And especially on the provider side, uh, it was nice to know that that was something that did not happen, but that providers were worried about way back then. So you know, to me, that kind of relates to the the second prediction in the book, which was about constricted consumerism, because that was all about like who's in charge of your health and what are all the tools available to you. It didn't seem completely far-fetched then. It was just something I think people hadn't thought about. You know, and it was really, you know, thinking back again, all the way back to 2022, a lot of the folks we talked to, and this was true for, for me as well, we've been talking about consumerism for two decades at that point. And it really, though it's had an, it had an impact, did not have near the impact that folks thought it would. And the prediction was it was not going to get better. It's going to get worse, particularly in terms of consumers themselves driving the kind of change that maybe they would want. In addition, you know, not really having the choices. Of course, we have so many choices, Jared, today, more than we had back in 2022. But really just in, in certain areas, when it comes to if you need your appendix out, which is still a thing, it's kind of amazing. You know, here we are in 2030, you still have to have your appendix out. Your options of where you can go are really restricted unless you have that crypto privilege of the people that are have ultimate money, unlimited money, and you can just spend it wherever. The rest of us have to figure out how to knock that $40,000 deductible down with one procedure. So a lot more restrictions. My joke back then, I said it in the book, was I started talking about consumerism when my daughter was an infant and I had a picture of her in her high chair. She was angry. She had spaghetti over her face. And I thought that's what the healthcare consumer looked like, right? And that was way back in like 2003. Then when we wrote the book in 2022, she had just graduated high school. So that told you how long we were talking about this thing. Well, now, Jared, you know, she's married. She's got two kids. And I think we've seen that consumerism in terms of the empowerment that we hoped consumers might have to drive change really just never came to fruition in the way that the people really hoped it might have. Yeah, well, I remember there were a couple of things you focused on in that chapter with that prediction. You were still talking about access, convenience, transparency, price, and experience, which we all just kind of assumed we would have figured out by now. Yeah, shocking, right? The folks that have figured out are the folks that can master it. And that kind of gets into the, the third prediction. And that's the people that, you know, the brands and the companies that weren't traditionally part of the healthcare universe. I already mentioned Amazon, right? The Apple and their and their joint venture in this space. But CVS, Walmart, Walgreens, all of those folks we used to talk about, they understand that stuff. And so they're able to provide consumerism in the way that we maybe have dreamed. But it was just limited to that, what we call the top of the funnel. And as we've seen, the legacy hospitals and health systems have really lost what we call the funnel wars. You know, there's still some great ones out there, some really strong health system brands, you know, Geisinger slash Cleveland Clinic came together and they're very strong, considered a legacy brand, but so many regional health systems and smaller kind of hospital brands really have just become downstream vendors of care. Like we said in the book, 
really not consumer brands anymore. They're beholden to others for their patients. And you don't really ever think about them or encounter them until you you need that surgery. Right. Which uh, I kind of remember that that was precipitated by the formation of the American health system, which brought about like, you know, the all, all 20 major regional and national systems into that one single system that we all get to work with now. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Stay tuned for more provocative thinking after the break. Healthcare marketers juggling lots to do. Gotta keep patients healthy. Coming back to you, knowing which words will lead more patients to act is not an easy feat, as a matter of fact. Competition heating up, new players on the rise. Persado has the right words already optimized. Just plug in the content, turn it on, and your campaign blues will soon be gone. Persado provides healthcare organizations with pre-developed, pre-optimized marketing messaging focused on improving health goals and business objectives. Persado's journey-based content uses the right words proven to drive conversions among the customers that matter most. Visit persado.com to learn more. That's persado, P-E-R-S-A-D-O.com. Consumer experiences, major disruptors in AI tech are shaping healthcare for years to come. We're data rich, but information poor. Data without decisions is just distraction. You have to show results. That's how you build trust. On Hello Healthcare, we dive deep on these issues with the leaders who are driving change. And we hope that these stories will help you to create or demand a better future within healthcare. Don't miss out. Follow Hello Healthcare. Okay, back to the flow. What else about the funnel wars in particular stands out when you're looking back at the when you were making that prediction? Well, we talked to some amazing people, like I said, and I've kept in touch with a lot of them over the years. And there's been a few things that that people said that just stood out and kind of stood the test of time. And one of them was a quote from uh, the head of brand strategy at CVS Health, a guy named Russ Meyer. And what he said about the funnel wars and about the battle between legacy hospitals and health systems and the new entrants and the big brands that were getting into healthcare was he'd spent his whole career in brand. And he said, you know, I've seen organizations try to transform themselves and it's far easier to acquire knowledge in the pursuit of transformation than it is to change your culture. And he said, you know, the legacy hospital and health systems, their advantage is they have medical knowledge. They've always had it. They have the expertise. They have the, you know, the people and the and all of that, right? But the folks coming in from outside, the CVSs, the Apples, the Amazons, you know, of course, when they were separate back then, they have a culture that is 100% focused on the consumer. And that's what you need to win at the top of the funnel when we're talking about health and the, you know, the, the kind of frontline access to care. And he said, it's going to be quicker for them to acquire the medical knowledge necessary to win that battle than it is for legacy hospitals and health systems to change their culture, to be consumer focused. And I think that's borne out. That's what still stands out to me. And there's one other quote we'll get to, I think, in a little bit that I just think captures it all. But that really was so profound, the way that that Russ put that. For reals, I remember thinking back to that reminded me of a couple of quotes from that same era. I think it was 2021, 2022. I mean, my goodness, to think back like what we were still worried about day to day back then. But like there were a couple of quotes from, you know, there was Roz Brewer from Walgreens from their Boots Alliance. There was Karen Lynch at CVS Health. And they are talking about their entire goal is to keep people away from the hospital right. system at all. And so to see that kind of 
you know, bear itself out and see where we've gone from there. No wonder we are where we are today. That's right. That's right. It's it's no wonder that the in the market I still live in, you know, I still find myself in the Twin Cities nearing retirement. And I don't know how many hospitals we had in the Twin Cities, Jared. It, there must have been a dozen, 15 across a number of systems. You know, now we're down to four. And those four are great. And you can get whatever you need done in the four. One of the four, you know, whatever one's closer to you. But for the most part, nobody's needing to go to those facilities anymore, just except for the very few things that you have to have done and stay in the hospital for. It's just, it's just so few and far between anymore. At that point, you had been sharing this perspective for, for so long that it was just kind of like, when are we at least going to explore and figure out what that means as a culture of, a, of you know, the leadership of any health system, of any healthcare organization, trying to put those pieces together back then, it felt like a chore and it felt like we were forcing people to do it. Whereas now it's just kind of a given. They're like, yeah, we have a better understanding of the perspective of the consumer about their healthcare journey and how they don't want to encounter the healthcare system. So what type of relationship do you need to build with them? I mean, all this stuff kind of seemed novel, which is crazy because you had been you had been talking about it. You had published about it for so long and it still seemed novel back then. Yeah, it was novel only in a sense that it just wasn't happening, right? You know, it's just one of those things where you can talk and talk forever, but it's just such a slow moving industry. What's interesting about that, Jared, is one of the, the biggest accelerants is what we talked about in the fourth prediction, which is what we call the rise of the health sex. I still, to this day, have to spell out that last word, S-E-C-T-S. It looks good in paper, but you got you to spell it out when you say it out loud. Yes, thank you for clarifying. And, yeah, I mean, up until that point, the end of the 2000 teens was a really hot political time for this country. And before that, the idea of a politicized health system, even though healthcare has been politicized in many ways throughout history, to the degree that we saw it happen, both from an administration back then, going after, for example, the, the law of the land in, in what we used to be called Obamacare. And then, then COVID came through and all of this just electrified health in terms of politics. And so, you know, we predicted the rise of clinics and hospitals and health brands that were politically affiliated. So you just look around, right? You got Patriot Health right down the street. The new administration under President Gates has really made it easy to loosen kind of the medical standards in terms of basically, if you've got research to back it up, you're able to practice that medicine. And so it's so interesting to see healthcare practice through a worldview. You know, if we talk about consumerism hanging on for three decades and not really having the impact we thought it would, politics has changed things in less than a decade in ways that are they're just as significant. Yeah, that was quite, quite a race with President Gates, wasn't it? Well, you know, with our new voting approaches and it's just a different way to vote now. You have to go and, and sit in a room and wait for five hours and then they take your ballot and then you have to wait another five hours while they validate it. It's just, it's a very different landscape. Right. I was hoping that was going to take place within my whole holographic uh, world too, like metaverse, uh, metavoting. But I right. guess we'll have something right. to talk about in 2040, right? That's right. That is exactly right. I mean, that was a big change. And then the other thing I will say that we were completely wrong on, and I'm so thrilled that we were, was the last prediction, which, which was named Disparity Dystopia. And what we predicted back then was the extent of health disparities and equities was, you know, has always been with us. It really got to a bad place after that first round of COVID we had in, in 2020 through 2022. 
and we we predicted based on everything we saw and everything we heard that it was only going to get worse over this past decade because of things like climate change and the aging of America and the affordability crisis without some kind of significant, significant moonshot type initiative. And so I think what we've seen is some of the miracle technology solutions we've had for climate change that really helped turn things around. There were so many organizations who have been working so hard to solve for health disparities. They started actually making movement. But then again, the AOC administration that we had right before this one really did kind of move the federal government to make changes. We're now, I think, uh, we're in a far better place with health disparities and inequities. We're really glad that we were wrong on that prediction. Yes, we all were, weren't we? You know, we, especially when we saw that that chapter like dystopia. Great, you know, where are we where are we going with this? So it was it was nice to avoid that part. Related to that, just the the rise of of shared connected fitness. To think back in the day when people had to buy their own Peloton. But it's so funny. I haven't thought of Peloton in years. Remember Peloton? They were huge. Went completely bankrupt in 2023. And I remember, you know, we had like a Peloton burning party in my cul-de-sac. And that was a party we had in 2023. I had totally forgotten about Pelotons. Glad you brought those up. Right. That was before Nike purchased them. And so, you know, it just be, it, it was like a, a retro thing. Like every now That's and then right. there'd be like an anniversary people would celebrate. That's right. If there's one thing that you could look back and talk to your 2022 self what would you tell yourself about the future of healthcare? Is it like you should be worried more, maybe worry a little less? Like, like what would you be looking back and telling yourself? Yeah, you know, that's such a great question because when we, when I remember, I still remember when I finished writing the book and looking back, the predictions kind of start pretty positive and exciting, and they they kind of go to a more uh, pessimistic place, and that was not intentional. We just let the research and the and the input we had from experts kind of guide where we went with it. And I thought like, hey, you know, 50% of solving a problem is admitting you have one. So we had to put this stuff on the table and we encouraged people, you know, our motto was kind of the future is what you make it. So you may look at these predictions and go, wow, that's not really where we want things to be, then do something about it. And so I think if I had to go back to my 2022 self, I would say I was pretty skeptical, Jared that that would actually take hold and that we can make some of the changes that we've just talked about here over the past few minutes. But people really did. And I don't want to say the book gets credit for that, but overall things like health disparities or access or technology, there's a lot of ways those things could have gone. And the fact that we as a country and we as an industry kept pushing and kept pushing. And while it might've felt a lot of times like one step forward, eight steps back, we didn't give up. And so it's hard to see that back in 2022 and you look forward and you go, oh my gosh, is it going to take another 20 years for consumerism to really hit? Who knows, right? But in some ways we didn't get there as we've talked about, but in some of the most important ways we did. And so I would just tell myself, chin up, it's going to turn out good. Perfect time, perfect place for us to kind of break character here for a moment and say- Break the fourth wall. Is that what we're gonna do? <laughs> exactly. Like people That's haven't like, figured it out, right? They're like, let's, what let's the come, heck is going on? Like come back from the metaverse for a second. This was an interesting way to do this because I actually wish we would genuinely do things like this a little bit more often because there is not necessarily something that I've seen any kind of good mechanism for us to go back and look at where we thought things were trending macro, where we see these big things and, and, and actually take a look at and see like, how close were we and why not? Like what did change? Because there are usually patterns within the patterns. And 
what I genuinely liked about the book, Chris, in our 2022 selves here is uh, how it just really, hopefully, I see this getting a lot of people to think from a different perspective and say, like, if this is what it takes to help us realize that there's a whole side of healthcare that is not based from the provider-centric standpoint, but still empathizes with our providers, our frontline workers, payers, like everybody involved, you know, it doesn't discount anybody. It's not mutually exclusive just to consumers, but it starts with their perspective. It changes your view of how we try to solve the problems in healthcare. So I, I just thought that was one of like the macro, macro themes of the book for me. That's really cool, Jared. I think like what we encourage people to do with the book is the very first sentence in the book says, you will not agree with the content of this book because we're trying to set the stage for, this isn't about proving we're right or wrong about these. We feel very very strongly that these are really valid predictions to make, right? But they're predictions. Like one of them is called the Copernican consumer. Like if you know your your astronomy, you know that Copernicus was wrong. <laughs> he, he said the sun was the center of the universe, right? So we're even a little tongue in cheek with that. But the point isn't whether we're right or wrong. The point is the thinking behind it and the thinking that it drives in you and to put these things up on a wall and say, which of these matter to me the most and which are going to have the most impact on me and my organization or my world, if you want to go further. And what am I going to do about that? Right. And so that's the, the intent of the book. And it reminds me, Jared, I know you talk a lot about this and I've been preaching on this forever too, how important measurement is, right? Of what you're doing in, the, in marketing or communications. You got you to know if what you're doing works or not. And I just remember telling people a lot, like, hey, especially early on when I was in this industry, it's hard enough to measure what you're doing. But you got to remember that once you've measured it, you're only halfway there. You're just measuring things is half of it. The other half is going, okay, now what does that mean? Why? Why did it succeed? Why did it fail? Why do we see 10% here and 20% there, right? That's the important part. And I think that's true here too, looking forward, right? It's it's not whether we end up being right or wrong or by how off we are. It's what's behind this. Why would these things happen? And what can we do about it? Man, this has been a lot of fun. We should just set a date before 2030. We can do this again. We can practice what we preach. We can take a look back and say, you know what? We were right about uh, Amazon and Apple merging and web 6.0, stuff like that. Yeah. I think like we really want to do that. But I do think it's like an annual thing, right? Like what I can tell you, Jared, which is amazing why I think there'd be huge value in this is, you know, we sent the book to the publisher to get printed back in November, I think. The list of stuff that I've kept up with that that impacts these predictions for good or for bad is like a mile long. So much has happened, right? We talk about the politics of, of healthcare. And in the book, we talk about the impact of social media on that and Facebook to a degree. That was all before all of that stuff came out about Facebook at the end of the year with the whistleblower and all of that, right? And so every day something comes out, right? And we hear about virtual care going down. We're like, okay, what does that mean for the Copernican consumer? So can you imagine a year from now, how much we could we could pull forward and say, well, look, we're going to have to rate each of these predictions. Like, is it an A right now, like dead on so far? Or is it a B or is it an F already? Is this one already just like off the table? We should just forget about it because it's so wackadoo. I think that would be amazing to do. I agree. I think we'll set a date for it now and and let's plan on it. In the meantime, for our listeners, if they want to pick up a copy of the book, where can they do that? You can actually find it wherever you purchase your books online. So Amazon, Barnes & Noble, anything like that. If you want to learn more about the book, 
just briefly, you can go to Joe Public 2030. So Joe Public is spelled out and 2030 is the numbers. JoePublic2030.com. So you can just get an overview of the book, the predictions, a little bit more description of the predictions. So that's a good place to start. The book is Joe Public 2030, Five Potent Predictions Reshaping How Consumers Engage Healthcare. Chris, it's been an honor to have you as our guest here. What's the best way for listeners to connect with you personally? Best way probably is through LinkedIn. So just search for me on LinkedIn or on Twitter. I'm back on Twitter, Jared. Uh, I was off Twitter for three or four years and now I'm back on. And when I looked at my screen time, it is now the number two way I use my phone. (laughs) It's just addictive. So you can find me there at Chris Bevelo, probably the easiest ways. And this is great, by the way, great idea to have some fun with this. I really glad you thought of that, of let's pretend we're in 2030. I think that was fantastic. Hopefully people find that true and not completely corny. Hopefully. And if not, we'd love to hear it either way. (laughs) So uh, We're not afraid of being corny, right? We really are not. Chris, stay, stay safe. Stay well. Thanks again. Best of luck in all you're doing and best of luck with the book. Yeah, thanks, Jared. Thanks again for having me on. Really appreciate it. Hey, thanks again for listening. We hope you found some value in this conversation. And if you did, do us a favor and follow us using your favorite podcast app. Then tell your friends and colleagues about us. If you like what you heard, please spread the word. Healthcare App is a member of the Shift.Health Content Network. If you enjoyed this podcast, you're going to love the other shows in the Shift.Health Content Network. Go check out the latest show. In fact, it's called Hello Healthcare, hosted by Chris Hemphill. It's focused on people who are moving healthcare forward, how healthcare strategy relates to data and AI, and what you can do to create or demand a better future. Subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform or at Shift.Health, where all 35 podcasts and video series are free and available on demand. Until next time, keep marketing forward. Thanks, and that's a wrap. Thank you.